Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. A reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We don't all agree about why the human mind takes flight while we sleep. Maybe when our bodies are freed from the exertion of the day's labor, finally at rest in the safe, warm darkness of sleep, we're free to process our deepest desires and most profound fears, and our dreams become fodder for the lifelong process of understanding ourselves. Or maybe you've had the experience of solving a tricky problem in your sleep, or more accurately, in that silvery strange interval between sleeping and waking, when your mind is unleashed from the worldly weight of what's usual or possible, set free to find the formula that lightens your burden and eases your way. Or maybe it's just junk the night shift brain in maintenance mode, cleaning out the cobwebs, making more space for the rational thinking you'll do by daylight. Neurons fire at random to floss out the mental detritus that builds up through the day, and you wake up in the morning's new mercies to shake it off and start over. Our ancestors in faith, though, they believed that God spoke to them in dreams. Not every dreamer, not every dream, but often enough that when Matthew told the story of Jesus' birth, he thought it added to the veracity of his account to include Joseph's dream journal as evidence for God's hand at work. So as we heard from Matthew chapter 1, Joseph dreamt that an angel of the Lord, a messenger from God, told him to marry Mary. 
No matter the appearance of her infidelity or the gossip of their neighbors or even his own hurt feelings, when the child was in danger from King Herod's violent protectionist plan, another messenger in another dream shooed the holy family away to hide in Egypt. And Joseph kept dreaming through Jesus' toddlerhood and God's messengers kept directing to get them all home eventually to Galilee safe and sound, so that child could grow up to be the Messiah he was meant to be. It's not for nothing that Joseph was named after one of the patriarchs, Joseph, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah's great-grandson was himself a prolific dreamer, His night visions of personal glory infuriating his jealous brothers until they would do anything, unspeakable things, to be rid of him. And it was Joseph's familiarity with dream speak that found him favor with the Egyptian Pharaoh in whose prison he languished until the Pharaoh had need of his help to interpret his own nightmares. That first Joseph would say later that through it all, the God of the universe had his back, turning his tragedy to triumph for the sake of the world God still loved. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good, he told his contrite brothers, a perspective that likely came to him in the problem-solving hour of early morning REM sleep. It's not that God's messengers are constrained to appearing only in their recipient's sleep. There are stories in the Bible of fully awake humans receiving a visitation. Luke makes no mention of mother-to-be Mary being asleep for the angel Gabriel's announcement of the favor she had found with God, for example. But it is worth considering that God finds it easier to get people's attention when those people are well-rested, unbusy, their hands empty of the day's work, their minds free of the day's worry. It may be that the simplest conclusion is the right one for many of us tonight. If you want to hear from God in days to come, rest yourself. Resolve in the year to come to not overwork to say no often enough that you've got time to spare for sacred Sabbath. Recline and rest and give God some room. You cannot hear the subtle rustle of messengers' wings if your heart is filled with the noise of busyness. God will not burden you with new thoughts if you are already stretched too thin. I will tell you the truth. I have been mostly afraid to dream for these last mm, nine months or so. It seemed foolish to invest any of my precious emotional resources in hoping for anything new to happen. Boxed in by a pandemic, bound up by poisonous politics, beat down by the predictability of human prejudice and privilege, I knew the safe play was to assume more of the same. More and more and more and more and more and more of the same, 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 same. 
pessimists are rarely disappointed, am I right? We protect our hearts from hurt by hoping for little or less or nothing at all. Like Joseph of Bethlehem, I suppose. He of religiously righteous reputation, he of tender heart and true, exposed as a sucker, shamed by his selection of a girl it turns out he could not trust, and with the Roman Empire breathing down his wage-earning neck, requiring an inconvenient sojourn to his originary hometown, now he could not possibly bring her there, introduce her to all his kin in the condition she was in. He lay awake to think it through, work it out. He would not subject her to the punishment the law said he could exact, but he would divorce her in private, send her home for her parents to deal with. The shame of her, after all, was properly theirs before it was his. He hoped for nothing more than a dignified solution to a deeply undignified dilemma. He just wanted it over. Once his rational mind and his broken heart agreed on this plan, Joseph rolled over to sleep. And that's when God's agent caught his attention and suggested a new plan. Marry her anyway, the angel said. We know how it looks, but God is working here, and that baby Mary carries is not going to shame her or you. That baby is going to save you both and all your kin from all the shame of all the sin the world has ever known. Mary needs your help, Joseph. We need your help. Just marry her in the morning, man. We'll work out the rest. That's the thing about the dreams we dream when God tiptoes in, trying not to wake us up, whispering new possibilities our conscious minds would never consider. They come as a zag when we were all set to zig. They ignore the conventions of what would be easiest and nicest and best for me. They drag what's in the best interest of somebody other than me to the top rank in my considerations. And it's more than that, more than God simply asking me to transcend self-interest for someone else's sake. The dreams we dream when God gets in there, they ask me to imagine that God is weaving a world yet to come to which my next move may contribute a single bright thread cast on at the exact right time. They ask me to believe that God has something in mind for me now and later that will matter, not just for me, but for the world God still loves. Here's the hardest part about that. While the baby born tonight will be known as the son of Joseph, all of the Gospels agree that Joseph disappears early in the story. He dreams his way to the baby's birth and early childhood survival and well-being, but he either does not live or does not linger to see what his adopted son will become. 
the salvation of all the people promised by the angel in that first heavenly missive in Matthew 1, Joseph does not make it to the end to see it come true. Not in this lifetime. What kind of faith does it take to dream dreams that promise God's glorious deliverance, to pay a personal cost to let it be so, knowing that there's no guarantee you'll be around for the rest of the story? Well, every parent everywhere knows the answer to that. It is not beyond human capacity to start something we know we cannot finish. I wonder if Christmas this year could draw on our capacity for dreaming, for taking fanciful leaps of faith, for stepping into risk for the sake of a future that does not belong to us but to our children, to those who come next and next after that. I wonder if our well-rested, Sabbath-keeping, righteous-living, tender-hearted selves might have dreams yet to dream for the year to come, if we shake off the insomnia-inspiring hopelessness and exhaustion of the year just ending. Now, by shake off, I don't mean that we'll pretend the pain of 2020 never happened. I don't mean that all our ungrieved sorrows and unrelieved suffering will disappear in the new year. I guess I'm just wondering if Joseph might counsel us that in the deepest dark of night, when the problems seem truly intractable, God sometimes creeps quietly in and inspires us to see what we could not have imagined on our own and promises to have our back if we'll just say yes to impossibility. Promises that even the evilest of seasons can be transformed by God's own hand holding ours while we jump. Maybe I'm saying it's the season to jump in our dreams. Maybe I'm saying we'll find that with God's help, we fly. First, though, church, we've got to get some rest. Sleep well, siblings. Sweet dreams. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, Go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.